Hello and welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner with Karen Sharp Price. This podcast will inform and inspire you in your quest to find the right career path. If you're just starting out, looking to make a change in your field or transitioning into a new career, then this podcast is for you. We'll be sharing tips and providing resources on topics such as writing resumes, interviewing, using LinkedIn, and networking. We will take a look at different careers, companies, and opportunities. You will hear success stories from professionals in all career paths, and so much more. You will leave this podcast with three key takeaways that you can easily put into practice. Enjoy! Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to Sharp HR Career Corner. If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave a review and share. It truly helps how people will be able to find us on all of the podcast sites. Today, we're going to talk about chocolate. What a great topic. A little disclaimer, Joanne and I have known each other for about 15 years now. We met because we were both new moms and we had joined a mother's group. We have supported each other personally and professionally ever since. Please welcome Joanne Sundell. She is the co-owner of Dark Forest Chocolate, which is Western New York's first small batch chocolate maker. In 2015, Joanne and her husband, Dan, began crafting nut-free and soy-free chocolate bars and confections using fairly sourced cacao beans. Joanne is an adjunct professor at SUNY Erie. She teaches history at the college's Buffalo campus and was the recipient of the Chancellor's Award for Teaching Excellence. She is a mother of two teenage boys and enjoys gardening and music. So many things that we are we actually have very much in common. We have boys. We like gardening. <laughs> That's right. And and we uh, we teach. Um, yeah. So one thing I did not mention is is that um, Dark Forest is in Lancaster. So if anybody is interested, please stop by the shop, go online. But we will talk about all of that in a few minutes. I wanted to start because I think your story is very interesting, and many people that I talk to along the line either coming out of college, been out for a while working, they always have this want, this desire, this passion to start something. But some of them don't. Some of them are a little hesitant too. So I would like to start you know, talking about your story. How did you go from teaching to starting a chocolate company? Um, and I know that Dan is a landscape architect. Is that correct? That's right. Um, yeah. So you both have professional careers for a number of years, and then all of a sudden the idea came to start making chocolate. So can right. you give us a little background as to how that all came about? I sure can, Karen. Um, so I just want to say that I never thought that I would be an entrepreneur or a business owner. I was raised um, to go to college and get a some training or and become uh, an employee. And so starting a business never occurred to me. My husband, the same thing. He, he's a trained landscape architect and uh, always worked for someone else. But um, so now we're in our 50s now to start a business. And I think we just finally grew up maybe <laughs> <laughs> uh, or got fed up, which is really more like it. So as an adjunct um, professor, I kind of hope that eventually a full-time position would come open, but that's really not the way um, the world is working right now. 
Uh, it's really going to kind of contract workers, whether we're talking about adjunct professors or um, contract <clears throat> writers for for uh, newspapers and magazines and photographers and all the like. And similarly, my husband uh, was a senior project manager or senior architect, a landscape architect at a, at a firm and was laid off. And that's kind of, you know, it's, it's tough when you're a senior guy in your mid-50s and you get laid off. Where are you going to go when the industry is hiring um, young people out of school for a, a lower rate of pay? And so we were at kind of a crossroads. I was um, really hoping that my career would go a certain way and he was hoping his career would go a certain way. And um, my husband, Dan, is an interesting guy. He always kind of has to have a project. <laughs> and so he, we were, lo- and then, so we're looking for chocolate that's, you know, very dark and delicious and we just couldn't find exactly what we were looking for in the Western New York area, which is, you know, really loaded with chocolate shops. But they all the chocolates sort of tasted the same kind of it all sort of tasted like like milk chocolate. And so he mail ordered some from a small batch maker in Brooklyn. We got that and I just it was blown away by all the little nuances uh, of fruity tones and the, the chocolate was so complex. And then um, it it turns out that the reason the chocolate's so complex is that it's really dependent on the cacao beans that are used to make the chocolate. Mm-hmm. And those cacao beans taste different depending on lots of things like the terroir, which is the, the region that it's grown in, the humidity and the, the other vegetation growing in the same place that adds much like wine grapes, right? Much like anything, apples and and such. And it also depends on the botanical variety too. So Dan was very interested in learning all about that. And so he got um, some at-home, small, tiny batch equipment to make some. And he did, and it was really good. And then when he got laid off, we thought, well, we've been saving for a rainy day, and this seems to be that day. Wow. And so why don't we give it a go and, and buy equipment and get a space? And we had kind of a crystal ball looking into the Pacific Northwest where this had been a, a thing for six years or more. Same with downstate. And Western New York just didn't have that. So it wasn't so risky. It was a little risky because people are used to traditional chocolate shops that have orange chocolate and um, turtles. But we we knew that there was a market here, especially with the growth of the farm-to-table uh, movement mm-hmm. and um, lots of interesting food choices and restaurants. So when you were doing this, when you were um, just looking into different chocolates, were you thinking bigger picture at that time or were you just doing it for your own pleasure of chocolate and taste of trying to find different types of chocolate? It was that we were trying to find chocolate that we really enjoyed. And once we found that there was a whole world of small batch makers that were making chocolate with Tanzanian cacao or single origin um, Costa Rican cacao beans, that's when it became really intriguing, especially for Dan, who I said always needs a project. But for me, I, I love chocolate and always have loved chocolate so much. 
So I remember, uh, I remember back now, how, how long, how many years have you been in business? So we, uh, we incorporated in 2014. Okay. So I remember back when he was in the basement, just kind of putzing around, trying different yeah. things. And yeah. he would have these bars and he's like, you know, would you like to come down and try some of this? <laughs> and so we would try little morsels of this and that and the other thing. And you really yeah. could tell the difference. There was a different taste than, and I don't want to name names, but of other types of chocolate. Even the chocolate that we, that I always thought was really good, like Lindt, which is a, you know, a grocery store chocolate. That's a little bit more. It's like $2 and 50 cents a bar or whatever it is. I, I equated that with good chocolate. And, and I was really surprised at how different small batch chocolate taste. It's like a whole different animal. What was it from the moment that you, that Dan started making these different chocolates? Were you ever thinking about just doing it small size in your basement versus when did you decide to actually find a brick and mortar and open up shop? That's a great question. So we fall under the, the regulatory rules of the New York State Department of Agriculture and Markets that specifies that chocolate needs to be made in a commercial kitchen. Oh, okay. We, so all your equipment had to change from just tinkering to commercialized things. No, not so much that, Karen. It was more of the environment. There are certain buzzwords like you need to be making it in an area that has uh, smooth and wipeable surfaces. And you need to have a three-bay sink where you can wash and rinse and sanitize. Self-closing doors in the bathrooms. And I'm pretty sure Ag in Markets doesn't want a couple of cats <laughs> walking in and out of the basement. So it, we had to either choose to rent, you know, rent some space. Cause lots of times people that are, our makers will ask a church or a, a club or something that has a commercial kitchen, if they can kind of lease some space and do that. But we, we knew that we wanted people to be able to come in and actually smell the cacao beans being roasted and come in and, sample the, the different types of chocolate to, to discern the taste between the different cacao beans and, and and the blends that we've made. So we wanted a brick and mortar and we were very fortunate to find a space on West Main Street in Lancaster, which at the time was completely abandoned. Mm. It was a you know urban renewal disaster. And since then it's um it's it's taken off and there's numerous cool business businesses on that street. Yeah, it's a great spot. Can you take us a little bit through the process of making that decision? What do you do with your careers at that point? Something that had to uh, always happen is we, we needed to have an income stream. We have, as you mentioned, two sons and a mortgage, and we didn't have the luxury of just saying, you know, let's quit what we're doing and focus 100% on, on the business. And so Dan and I both continue, even after five, six years in business, continue to work part-time in our careers so that there's always income coming in and we never have to really rely on just income from the business because businesses, well, chocolate makes makes enough money right away to pay for really everything involved, wrappers and and ingredients and the and utilities and the rent, it doesn't really afford 
uh, much in the way of salary for a while. And I don't really know if there's any business in which you can pay yourself right away. Right. So you need to be able to, you know, meet your bills some way. Are you glad that you made this leap, that you you took this chance and that you started this business? Absolutely. Um, I was getting a little restless and needed a, a different focus. I love teaching and I love creating, you know, the curriculum, lesson plans. And, but I, I also needed a different kind of an outlet too. And I didn't really know what I was in for and just glad I did it. How do you divide up the, I guess, the workload of having your own business between you and your husband? That's a that's a great um, question. Uh, unlike some a business like retail, this business is one in which you, you you make the things that you sell. So you need a maker, and then you need a marketer or a salesperson. And uh, I wasn't particularly interested in you know submerging myself in the world of cacao and um, the roasting times and everything that really interested Dan. And while I think it's interesting as well, I, what I find more interesting is the marketing and the sales component in creating the business, the brand and looking forward and making um, projections and, and finding ways to adapt as this crazy world that we live in. Right changes by the by the week so that's where my strengths are dan plays to his strengths and uh, and honestly in this business we really needed two people or more with diverse skills and that's not to say that every business needs that because certainly someone in in retail could be a buyer and a seller both but in as a as a food maker that was that was key for us what are the benefits of owning your own business? I love being the person that has an idea that can attempt to execute it. Because if you've ever been worked anywhere where you have an idea and want to execute it, you usually have to go through some hurdles and try to pitch it to different people. And they'll either poo-poo it or they'll take it for their own idea and run with it. Or, you know, there's different scenarios for that. So I really like the idea of coming up with an idea and and testing it myself and seeing if it works. And if it doesn't work, well, then I put it under my belt as this is a growing experience mm-hmm. and then learn from that and go on. The, the benefits are that you, you really can use all of the skills that you've ever acquired in your whole life from every single job you've ever had from for me it was i used to i used to work in a bookstore which was a wonderful job and they really connect with individuals so i really i really like that component of it you know lots of different skills which i never i never really thought were very marketable to tell you the truth <laughs> but it turns out you know at this juncture i can use all of these skills to help grow my business and and i and i do and and it's and it's a fabulous thing. And then something else that I, I'd like to tell people too, that networking, you've always heard that, that networking is so important, but I never really understood how that actually played out until I got into business for myself. And so when you network with people either in the same field that you're in, or even 
you know, Karen and I have, have been in, uh, have been in a group of professional women before. Right. And I learned so much from those ladies too. They were mm-hmm. very New York state women and I'll plug them. They're a great group of women that are in business and have retired and they have ideas and skills that you can bounce ideas off of and everything from, you know, do I really need to learn QuickBooks, which I was very resistant to doing because it's, it's not a very, you know, intuitive program, but to just, you know, how do I maintain a file system? How do I maintain client lists with the best practices? And, and so working with women, men and women both, and, and getting those ideas from individuals that you're networking with are really key. And then people in your own industry too are often helpful in telling you what, you know, this works better than this, or, you know, try this and not that. And you can, you can pick the brains of people that have been in business for a while. And so networking, especially in Western New York, turns out to be this big happy family where everybody kind of knows everyone else, at least as far as the food makers go. And I'm sure the retail is like that. Plenty of other industries too. Yeah, I think that Buffalo is unique in the way that people in general, they're willing to help out. Anybody who's coming into whatever area it is, they're more than willing to kind of show them the ropes. And you You found that to be the case too, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I really have. You know, it's kind of like, what can we do to support you type of thing? You are a little bit unique in your story because you started your business with your husband. And that has to create a little bit of a different dynamic. So how does going into business with your husband, how does that work? How do you make it successful? Great question. So one thing that we did early on was we we're we're a corporation. Corporations are required to have monthly shareholders meetings. It's a shareholder, my husband and I. And um, so we have these monthly meetings and we try to sort of save up the discussions about the business for that monthly meeting. And it's, you know, it's it's very proper. There's an agenda and and that's sent to the other, whoever decides to call the meeting, me or Dan. And we meet at a certain time, try to keep it to about an hour and then fix things or discuss things that are pertinent. Eliminates the daily discussion. It's very tempting just to talk about this, that, or the other. Although we do talk about some things every day, but the big things like what do we need to invest in? What do we need to buy? What's, you know, this, this kind of thought, what's coming over the upcoming expenses and what are the events that we're planning to do, et cetera. Well, don't, don't talk about that over the dinner table. <laughs> well, that's you good. So you started separate that, the realms. You started that in the very beginning. You sort of mapped that. Yes. Out. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and so far that's worked for you. It has. It has. And because our, um, our roles in the company are different, that helps too. Okay. So I can just do my thing. And then if I get um, like a sales call from um, somebody from Columbia, for example, which happened just yesterday, oh. um, I call, I think it was a phone call from Columbia. We, we, we have cacao. Would you be interested in tasting it? I'm like, maybe, I don't know. You're going to email this guy, Dan Sundell, and um, talk to him about it because we pass things off to each other. This is not my job. It's yours. This is not my job. It's yours. And so by compartmentalizing it, we can, we can be more effective too. 
So do you do you introduce him as your husband or as your co co partner in your ownership when you're talking business? Both. Just one. My about partner it. and my partner and my partner. Your partner in crime. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. so you met we mentioned in the beginning that you have two sons. Do they play a part in, in any of this? They eat a lot of chocolate. <laughs> do they have any interest in pursuing a career and keeping the younger going? one is very business minded. Okay. And so he he's interested in that. The older one, um, you know, his skills lie elsewhere, uh, but he's been, you know, very helpful as far as being with us at events where we need to, you know, s- speak to customers. Dan and William went down to Chautauqua Institute for for an event and they they talked to people. I think the younger boy went to they gave a presentation and then they sold chocolate bars afterwards. And so they know how to talk about the the product and the brand, you know, to under you know, the buzzwords, this bean to bar, this organic, it's made from scratch. This, this is something very different. And it's always an educational process for, for new customers. And so their jobs are, are that, and they wrap chocolate bars and they do dishes and they mop floors and, they um, they do some you know work that young people need to do to build some character, don't you think? That's great. In fact, you've taken homeschooling to a whole new level, for, especially right now in this time. That's really learning it from the ground floor up, uh, especially when you're cleaning those floors, and and then getting to see the whole process along the way. Mm-hmm. I, I bet you you know. 30 years from now, they take it to the next level, whatever that level could be in 30 years from now, that would yeah. be quite amazing to watch. We try to include them in some decision making too. Uh, we're now we're in phase two. Uh, we never closed. So phase two doesn't really, it doesn't affect our ability to open because we've been open ever since because chocolate is essential. Yeah, so we all know it sure it. is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we asked them, you know, what do you think about these store hours? And you know, what do you, what do you think about marketing on, you know, this platform or that platform? So we try to get their input too. That's great. And yeah. That's bring great. them into it. Do they seem like they're kind of interested in it? As I said, the younger one is, has an entrepreneurial spirit. And so he does the older son, although chocolate making and cooking doesn't interest him at all. He can barely make himself a sandwich <laughs> on his own. <laughs> he is he likes he he can see the big picture in things with you know fairly traded what customers want you know and that's and that it's a real besides making chocolates it's a service oriented thing very much so so you know and I gave I asked him for some feedback well what do you think about this product should we make it prepared or should we give it to people to prepare at home and and so he can kind of put himself in the shoes of the consumer and go, well, whether or not I take his advice is a different story. <laughs> but um, I always yeah. include him. What do you think it takes to, to start your own business? Are there certain characteristics, skills, personality? You know, is, is there something that kind of stands out for you? Well, one of the very first things I did was and I'll have to, maybe we can, we can link the name at the title of this book. Sure. When I was investigating, I did a lot of reading before I even started. And one thing was to have an optimistic outlook, which is, I don't know, before this, I don't know if anyone would ever <laughs> said, oh, 
Joanne, she's an optimist. I'm not sure that was one of my characteristics, but I, I took a look at this book and, and read through it and kind of got a different attitude. And I think you can have a different attitude when something is yours, something is, is your, your baby mm-hmm. and you can grow it as opposed to, let's say you were a salesperson for, I don't know, Fuller Brush, which I love Fuller Brush, by the way. You don't own Fuller Brush and you may believe in the product, but you're never going to believe in the product as much as if you make the product yourself. And so it's a, it's a really different mindset when it's, when it's yours, you can really speak honestly to customers, whether that's for me, I I approached people that would buy this wholesale and bring it into their grocery store, their shop to sell on my behalf, or just customers that come into the shop or inquire online or on the phone. I can, I can really be, you know, really honest with them because I believe in what I do and, makes all the difference, doesn't it? Yes. That reminds me, like when I was an HR manager at a company and I had to hire people, the companies that I loved and I enjoyed working for, it was such an easy sell. And I I could sell what was so great about the company and why they would want to be an employee there. For the companies that were not as great, sometimes it was a little tricky when someone would, you know, ask you a question during the interview saying, well, what is so great about this company? And you'd have to like, (laughs) you'd have to stop and think really quickly on your feet. Are there any areas, maybe it's technology, social media, networking, but are there areas that really stand out to you that once you started this business, you really had to move quickly and learn a lot about? There was there were quite a number of things that that we weren't completely prepared for. Simple things, well, you would think they're simple, but something like a point of sale system. So we started with a square you know, <laughs> square, you just swipe it. Yep. Um, and that oh, it didn't always work and there was glitches. Okay, so let's let's get professional and use a, a point of sale system. Well, what are you going to choose? There's dozens, more than dozens of point of sale systems. So that's something that needs to be investigated. And you need to, you know, it took a while to kind of jump on that. And then there was... The packaging, for example. Mm. So we had a printer that did an okay job for us in the beginning, and then they weren't able to turn around the product quick enough, the the wrappers. And so our wrappers are part of the, a big part of the brand and the the product because they're, you know, they're very beautiful wrappers and, and unique and kind of little works of art, if you don't, you know. I think. <laughs> um, and, and so, okay, well, we need a different printer. And so then you interview them and you work with them. And, and it kind of goes like on and on and on this way. So for the, for the first few years, you are doing really nothing but learning new things. And so the first two, three years are, they're agonizing because if you've never been in business like, you know, Dan and I have never been in business. You have to learn everything from scratch. I mean, even if you were in business, the, the technology changes. Right. So you, you're, it's a never-ending process of learning things. But those first few years, two, three years, are when you have to absorb the most and you're getting paid the very least. Yeah. 
And so you really do it for the love of it. It's really <laughs> tough, but yeah, you know, that's where the networking gets, goes. I, I go back to the networking, you know, I, talk to women and people that are in New York state women Inc go back to that group all the time. Women that have successful businesses that have been in business for 10, 15 or 20 years that can say, Oh yeah, by five years we had our sea legs. And so if, when you hear somebody trusted say that you can go, okay, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to keep going, keep going. And, and truly it was five years is kind of like the, the golden point. You can start collecting a salary. You don't have to learn quite as much. Mm-hmm. You never have to stop. I mean, you could never stop learning. Right. It's really something. If if someone is listening to us right now and they have been thinking about it, they've got an idea, they've gone a little bit further. Is there anything that you would consider that they should think about um, before they actually make that leap? Is there is there anything that you have in mind, advice before they actually take that leap? Again, I, I really, I can't overemphasize the idea of having multiple income streams. Okay. It takes, it takes a long time. It takes at least three years to figure it all out. And then it takes a couple more years to grow your brand and just don't expect to quit a job and go into business. You'll be so disappointed if you do that. How did you so, balance your days with both working and then working on the business itself. How did, how did you balance that time? Those were really long days in the beginning. And there were on more than one days when I, when I thought this is, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. What would be three pieces of advice that you would give somebody? Besides the multiple income streams. Yeah. Really get a network of people that you can bounce ideas off people that you can kind of trust to to cry at and say, I don't know what I'm doing. Help me. Give me some advice on for for me, it was just kind of like organizing all this, all this data I had to have. And so in the <laughs> the best advice I got from one um uh, one lady was just get a filing cabinet. <laughs> Here I thought I needed to do something, you know, much more complex than that. She looked, Filing cabinet. <laughs> so get a filing cabinet. Maybe that's one one advice piece of advice I can give to people. And also um, know that even though these first couple of years are are they're pretty grueling, you know, you 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 never stop thinking about it. And even after three years, you never really stop thinking about it. But it's it's fun. It's yours. You get to decide. You get to decide. Not you don't need to get permission from somebody else higher up. You get to decide. What are we going to try? What are we going to chase? What are we going to develop? What what should we do to do the next level? And and be, because it's your baby and and it's your idea, no matter what, you've succeeded. Right. You've achieved success because you did it. You were brave enough go out and get your DBA or your, you know, your, your corporate certificate, whatever, whatever form of business you choose to, to, to go after and start. That's brave. It's very and brave. That's something to be really proud of. Did you feel like you needed to talk to experts in 
chocolate making or were you getting advice from a lot of different people in a lot of different businesses? Yes, both. Okay. And so the trouble with, um, with what we were doing is there was nobody else doing that here. However, chocolate makers are throughout the United States, there's probably about 230 chocolate makers, small batch makers. We're not talking Hershey, small batch like us. There were some um, kind of like conferences and seminars and awards that we went after and chased and won where we were able to connect with different chocolate makers. And, And chocolate makers are... Um, just beautiful people. There's a, a, a fellow in Cincinnati. His name uh, is Paul Picton, and he is with Maverick Chocolate. And I, on more than one occasion, I emailed him and said, you know, what do you do about this? And maybe it's because he is a, my next door neighbor and rival that he was um, so willing and forthright to give me information. But I kind of have a feeling that even if he was, he would. That's and great. so I've been able to, you know, reach out and, and uh, through Instagram and whatever medium and ask people, what do you do about, who do you hire to wrap chocolate bars? You know? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of little things that you might not think about um, yeah. until you get thrown into those yeah. situations. How do you clean out the tempering machine from one batch to the other? You know, like these very technical problems. Yeah. And so there is, there's kind of a, Facebook community and Dan is active on that one for chocolate makers. And there's all kinds of ideas being exchanged. And that it's certainly it must be like that for every industry by now in this world of of social media and electronic ideas. So talking about, you know, in Buffalo phase two uh, is today and you really um, haven't had to close because you make chocolate. What do you have going on with the company? What's coming up? I, I know a lot of things are, you know, a little bit different nowadays, but uh, anything exciting, any new bars, anything that we should be aware of? Um, yeah, well, so I I really want to get, uh, I want to really want to introduce people to a new kind of drink and it's made from cacao. And if you can imagine cocoa beans being a lot like coffee beans, uh, it, it makes a drink that be, can be served hot or cold. And I'm, I've been really into this cold brew, brewing cacao. Huh. And it's like a, it has the consistency of tea, iced tea. Okay. As you're drinking it, it, your your nose is filled with the, with the uh, aroma of chocolate and the taste is chocolatey as well. Wow. But with the consistency of iced tea. So that's something that, I like to drink in the summer. I'd like to turn people on to that in the summer. Now, can we get that at Dark Forest or? You can get it prepared at the shop in Lancaster, but you can certainly just buy it and prepare it cold, a cold brew in a fruit jar in your refrigerator or in a coffee press. Oh. I have recipes for that. Um, phase two is super interesting um, to me because there's lots of people doing curbside pickups and things. But um, as you said, we've been open all along and our online business has really taken off. And I'm wondering if retail will start morphing as a result of what we've been through over the last couple of months. So I'm very prepared to 
just ship everything that that needs to to go to to customers that just don't want to drive, don't want to take the chance, just have become too busy. And, you know, maybe that's the the wave of the future. Right. Well, I I did tell you earlier um, in a conversation we had last week that we had ordered chocolate for my mother-in-law and we could not believe how fast it got to her. That's shipping is, too. works great. Must have been overnight, you know. <laughs> it or, was very quick. Well, no, I mean it was just normal shipping whenever we chose, but it it was very quick, very quick. So anybody out there who's living in California or you know Hawaii and wants some, um, mm-hmm. it might not get there in a day or two, but it will get there. And uh, <laughs> and, yeah. and she she even texts us as she's eating it, saying, you know, I've just completed half of my bar. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> so yes, and. You already know that my youngest son is in love with your chocolate. He is Madagascar. Yes, he, it's on top of our refrigerator. And um, in the beginning, he was shorter and he couldn't reach. So we did, you know, we would know when a chair would be going across the kitchen floor to get to the refrigerator. Now he's grown and and he doesn't have to get up on that chair. He can just reach up and get it himself. Your your candy bars are um, a big part of, of our house here. If someone was interested in either ordering Getting in touch with you, maybe a small business owner has a store of some sort and maybe they want to have your bars at their store. How would someone reach out to you? Maybe even ask you a question about the type of, you know, bars that you make. Um, the, the website has a, a spot to ask some questions and, and get some comments. So that's a www.darkforestchocolate.com. Okay. Or you could call the shop in Lancaster. All the information is on the website, our, our phone number and email address and such. And I'd be more than happy to talk to anybody about chocolate. Anything or chocolate. Chocolate or chocolate. What are your hours right now at the store? They keep kind of changing. Um, now we've made a business decision to be open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and close the other days. So... Thursday and Friday, 11 to 6, Saturday and Sunday, 12 to 4. Uh, and that will change, you know, even going forward in, in the next phase. And then there's some construction happening on our street as well. So, oh, okay. So well, the online store is always open. I want to thank you so much for your time today. It, this was fun. Um, it really was. Yeah, I had a lot of fun, Karen. Thanks. Chocolate is, I'm telling you, you've, you've got to try um, dark forest chocolate. You, you have to try it. If you, especially if you're in Buffalo right now, you got to do it. Do it for the antioxidants. There you go. It's always, <laughs> there's got to be some health benefit. You better believe it. <laughs> so thank you so much for taking the time today to talking about your experiences and your career journey, because there's a lot of people out there who are in a very similar situation and they just need a little push a little uh, motivation, and they can start their own path. It was a great conversation, great suggestions, and things to think about if you're starting to think about starting your own business. If you find yourself at a crossroad and you've been thinking about starting your own business, but you're still in that first stage of thinking your options over, contact Sharp Human Resources. Um, We can help you. We can help you process those ideas um, talk about the paths, help connect you with people in the community that might be able to 
give you some of their insight and experiences that they've gone through um, over the years. So you can go to sharphumanresources-buffalo.com um, and start the conversation. Thanks again, Joanne, for today, for joining us today. Don't forget to go to darkforestchocolate.com or stop in at the store in Lancaster. Um, you got to try this chocolate. You will not regret it. Take care, everyone, and be kind and be kind to everyone.